had something to say. <laughs> you talk faster than, yeah, I know. But you talk faster than my brain can work. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's not you, it's me. My brain goes, yeah. My daughters do the same thing. Mauricia talks faster and I can keep up. Don't give me that scale. All right. But thank you that uh, we're going to, uh, they have stuff out there. I don't know what it is. My wife was like, Beth and Body, what? Um, you peaked. You peaked her shopping interest real quick. Um, but check that out afterwards. And um, we're going to take up a love offering for them. All right. I know uh, I didn't preach last Sunday and you missed my, my uh, joke. But um, I was thinking about something. No, you don't laugh now, Adam. You laugh after I tell my joke. That was not the way... That's not the way a joke works. Oh, thank you. Oh, whatever. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about something last night. You see, brain cells die, skin cells die, and even hair cells die. Um, however, since fat cells must have accepted Christ because uh, they seem to have eternal life. Now laugh at them. Never mind. I, I missed it. Whatever. <laughs> There's two types of people in the room. There's those who plan days, weeks, even months before an event. Then there's those who wait until the last minute. When we're taking a test in school, there's those who prepare all month for a test, and there's those that study on the bus on the way to school. When you're taking a trip, some have everything packed a few days before, and some are still going over their checklist as they're making trips to and from the car, loading. There's those who change the oil every 3,000 miles, and those that wait for the red light to appear that say, check engine. It's funny how I look out. Some of y'all are looking at each other during these. Mm -hmm. There's those that fill up their car when it hits half a tank. And those that say, I got at least 10 more miles still empty. <laughs> I hit myself on that one. Yeah, don't point at me. I know, I know, I know. It's 15. What's the, what's the light goes on? It's 15 miles. Chris, the light went on the other day. And I'm like, ah, you got 15 miles. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a toll road. And so, yeah, I'm a squirrel. Um... <laughs> There's a quote that says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. The Bible gives us a warning about the return of Christ with the words, be ready. Plan your life to be prepared for the rapture. Are you ready is the question today. Are you ready? When we plan or fail to plan in all these other areas, I just run out of gas on the toll road and... And if you've ever run out of gas on a toll road, there's only gas stations every, I don't know how many miles, so you can't walk to them. And it's not easy for a, a toll truck to get to you, so you have to wait for two hours, was it? Something like that? It wasn't this time. It was years ago uh, in Kansas. Um, but that's all that happens to you. But when you fail to plan and be prepared and ready for the rapture, it's a much bigger consequence. 
Revelations 22, 7 and 12. And we'll read uh, verse 7 and then 12. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then verse 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his works. What's he saying here? He's saying, I'm coming soon. You don't know when, so you better be ready. We have no idea when it is, so are we prepared for it? It's not something we can do last minute. There's not a red light that pops on and you go, oh, I, I better get prepared all of a sudden. The Bible is very clear that when Jesus appears, there won't be enough time to get ready. You remember the story of the five foolish virgins that missed the cry at midnight. You can't get ready in a twinkling of an eye. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, they, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Jesus said, if you knew a thief was coming at night, tonight, you would get prepared for it. You would be waiting for that thief to come in. And he's saying, it's going to happen like that. You better be watching and waiting. You can't sleep. And he's not talking to us to, you know, stay awake all the time. He's saying, don't get caught up with the world. Don't get trapped with the world to where you fall asleep at what we're supposed to be doing. That's what these ladies were saying. The world caught them sleeping. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And the best way to do it is to make us miss the rapture. Amen? That's what he wants to do. So we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. I've heard people say, there is no heaven or hell. We live, we die, that's the end of the story. That is not the truth. That's not what the Bible tells us. It tells us that we must be prepared for the rapture. A little side note this morning. I'm not saying that this is the beginning of the end times, but how many have watched the news about Israel the last two days? We don't know what we don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what this world, they could literally today start a world war and start the beginning of the end times. We don't know, but you better be prepared as if it's today. You better be prepared that Christ is coming right now. We need to know that we know. You can't say, well, pastor, I, I'm getting everything ready. I'm just not, you know, I'm not there yet. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it just like that. And it's not something you can make up. We need to be ready. Matthew 24, 42. 
says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Over the years, we've all heard people predict, well, the, you know, he's coming on January 7th, 2024. They pick a day. Well, you know, the only thing that that tells me is he's not coming January 24th, you know, 7th, because he says no one knows. And when they tell you that that's the day, don't worry about it because that's not the day. The Bible tells us that's don't be looking at that time because they don't know. But in my lifetime, it's been all kinds of things. You know, what was it? The year 2000, everybody, you know, that was the Lord's coming. And, and well, when they came out with the barcodes on everything, well, that's the start of the mark of the beast. And, and that was in the 80s or 70s. Somebody, it was a long time ago. Don't look at me like it was longer than that, Phil. You're older than that. But no, I remember. <laughs> but it's always something. But we need to be ready. When someone who is terminally ill, they're told to set their house in order. They're given a time set for their departure. In essence, the doctor tells them to make plans for their death. But when it comes to the return of Christ, you can't make long-term plans. You need to be ready every minute of every day. We can't rest because Satan never rests. You may be right here and you take a break. That's when he's coming. You can't take a break from your walk with Christ. We don't get vacations from that. That's not what it's about. We need to be ready all the time, in season, out of season, day, night, because he's going to come as a thief in the night, coming out to steal, kill, and destroy us. We are to be watching, looking for the Lord's return. Now, that doesn't mean staring up in the skies, but it is an attitude of expectation. We need to be ready. We need always living prepared for the Lord's return. Years ago, there were people so rapture conscious that they didn't want to, to be doing anything out of order because they didn't want the Lord to return without them. Today... Very few live like this. It seems people are in the mindset that they're going to live for today because tomorrow they're going to die. But we know that the day after you die is the beginning of eternity. And we need to be ready to go to heaven. We need to get our house in order. We need to get our lives in order. Because there's only two options when you die. It's not that it ends. You're either going to heaven or hell, and you need to be ready for that. The second thing, we need to be holy. 2 Peter 3.11 Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Peter gives us the way in which we need to be ready for Christ to return. He says, live holy, for I am holy. We just got back from a retreat, and it was holiness in Christ. That's what it was about. It was amazing. We're to live a holy life. Every action that we do needs to be Christ-like. We need to be holy because that's what he is, and that's what we are. 
He's an example for us. Are we living our life that way? Are we living a holy life that if Christ came down next to you, he would be proud of you? Or would you be ashamed at your life? Let me give you a little hint. He's already here. He already sees what we do. Our actions, our words, our behavior and all things. We need to be holy, not just on Sunday morning. This doesn't mean anything if when we walk out the door, we're acting worse than the world. That's the problem with Christians. You know, the hypocrite thing? No, we're not perfect, but we're to strive to be. We are, you know, it's, it's not an excuse to say, well, I'm going to fail. No. In the Bible, it tells us that we don't have to be subject to sin. Okay? Don't use that as a cop-out. The world has told us that. God has not told us that. The world has told us that. Oh, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean we have to. That means we're to be striving, get our house in order, change our behavior, change our actions, change our words, change our attitude towards people. Be different. Love. I had a roommate many years ago. Pat, if you're watching, snitching on you here, calling you out. He lived under the theory that you don't wash until you need a pair of underwear. You don't wash anything until you run out. We were single guys. What can I say? But he would let it pile up and pile up. Chris had a friend that she wouldn't do dishes. She'd just go buy more. Jennifer, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> we all know that it's better to keep our underwear all the time clean just in case because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't wait till we run out and then we need it. We're like, oh, I don't have anything clean, which happened to him all the time. But we were single, so it didn't matter. He just threw something on. But we can't do that. We need to be prepared all the time. Our lives need to be ready all the time. A constant walk with the Lord is better than the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory is you live your life your way most of the time, and a few times a year you go to church, cry at the altar, and try and make everything right. Doesn't work. We need to live our life all the time. Be holy all the time. Next thing, encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Both of these verses are telling us that we need to encourage one another, lift each other up. This is a needed ministry in the world today, encouraging people to live a life, to be ready. I love their testimony. She's sitting there saying that she's been through it now she can encourage the others. You can do this. 
That's what testimonies are. It encourages our faith. It lifts us up. Yes, I know you're going through something right now, but you can do this because God is on your side. You have the strength. Got a friend, Greg. His wife, I told you about her last week. She's 37 years old. And tomorrow they're going to have to pull the plug. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But my job is to encourage my brother. He doesn't need negativity. He doesn't need the world on him. He needs a brother and sister in Christ lifting him up right now. You never know what your brother's going through or your sister's going through. Sometimes the church is so busy looking at the flaws and the faults of each other that we don't lift each other up. Our job, the reason we come together is sometimes I come to church and I cannot even lift my arms. And your job is to come on this side and raise my arm. And your job is to come on this side and raise my arm because I can't do it myself. And then next week I'm here for you. But when we don't, we're just making Satan's job easier. Shame on us. Shame on us that we're so busy listening to the lies of Satan and letting him get on our minds that we're worried about this We're worried about the body and, and, and what's going on here instead of the souls of each other. How many have ever seen the movie Facing the Giants? I love the part when I was writing this, I thought of that part where he's on the ground and, and he blindfolds him and he makes him do the bear crawl. Those of you that say if you haven't seen it, Go watch it. It's pretty cool. And he puts another guy on his shoulders. And he, the coach is down there and he says, I want you to start at the goal line. I want you to go to the 20 or whatever. And so he starts going and he says, come on, you can do it. He goes, I don't think I can make it. And he's like, yes, you can just keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when you get there and keep going. And he's like, am I there yet? No, 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 but you can do it. And he's encouraging him the whole time. And he gets, you know, almost there. And he's like, you're almost there. And he's like, I can't do it. My arms are, are just jello. I can't do it. He said, you can do this. Just keep going. And he's yelling and he's encouraging him. And he gets to the end and he collapses. And he says, take off the blindfold and look around. You didn't make it 20 yards. You made it 100 yards. You made it all the way to the end zone. That's what we're supposed to be doing is encouraging each other. You don't need, you can't just go 20. Don't let Satan quit you here. Don't let him defeat you here. You got to keep going all the way, but we, we need some cheerleaders in the church. We're so busy setting on our hands. Well, that's not my personality. Well, change your personality. Maybe your personality's wrong. Don't use that as a, an out. Well, baloney. God made us to encourage each other, to lift each other up. That your personality is what the world's created, what negativity has it created. God didn't make us with all these flaws and insecurities and doubts and fears. The world did. 
That's Satan. So we need to change it. Get out of our shell and be there for one another. And when you do that, you'll be surprised how much you're lifted up. The last thing is don't quit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap correction, and he who sows of the Spirit will of Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He's telling you, you're going to reap such huge blessings at the end. And let me tell you, what's the greatest blessing is eternal life. Amen? If we don't quit. There's blessings here on earth as well if we don't quit. And guess what Satan wants you to do? He wants you to quit. These are fantastic testimonies, but you know how many every single day quit. And they can tell you what happens to them when they quit. You lose. Same way with our walk with Christ. When we quit, when we give up, we lose. We lose to Satan. Living for the Lord means being willing to go through the battles, the storms, and the valleys in life. The Bible says in the last days there will be a great falling out. This simply means that a lot of people who are serving the Lord are going to quit because they're not all the way in. They're walking the fence. They're going, well, you know, a little bit here, a little bit. We want to tip our toe in the world. We want a little taste of, well, you know, my personality. I'm going to pick on that this morning. I get sick and tired of hearing that. My personality. Your personality is to serve the Lord. Whatever it takes, that's what you're to be doing. Nowhere, I mean, Moses tried to use a cop out, well, oh, I, I stutter or whatever his thing was. We believe it's a stutter. I have a speech. And God goes, so what? Find someone to do it for you. There's always a way when we have the will to do it. I don't remember in the Bible, people get, well, my personality and then be successful. The ones that said no, lost. It's the ones that stepped out of their comfort zone and didn't quit. The Israelites, what happened to them when they quit? They got to the, to the walls of Jericho. They got to the promised land, and they're like, oh, no, hold up. There's giants over there. They're big, right? Well, pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. It's so tough. Yep, sound like the Israelites. What happened to them? Anyone feel like you're walking around a mountain? Been walking around a mountain? Probably because you quit at your promised land. You want your promised land, you need to take it. We got to fight for it. We need to get up, get our battle, get our armor on. That's the reason he gave us an armor. It wasn't to sit there and look pretty. Mike Warnke was a Christian um, comedian back in the day. And he used to say that the children of God has this amazing armor. But we're so busy either shining our armor or fighting one another. 
It's not what the armor of God is for. We get that on and go take our promised land. Don't quit. We're going to get weary. And, but you know what? That's why I said the one before, we're to encourage each other. When we feel like quitting, brothers and sisters, we need to come alongside of them and fight with them. Help them. Not stab them in the back. You know the only place we're vulnerable in the armor of God? Right here. As long as we're charging, as long as we're going this way, you turn around and quit. I read this sign in the Yellowstone. It says that the, uh, the bison there, that when they attack people, it's not face to face. You know, the, the number one time they attack people is when they're turning, taking selfies. Because they turn their back to them. When you turn your back to them, that's when they know you're vulnerable. Sounds pretty smart. So we don't turn our back on Satan. The goal is that everyone makes it to heaven. And here's the steps to make sure that you and our community, by the way, we don't just keep this here. We go out there and we bring them in and we help them. Watch, look, and pray for the coming of Christ. Live right, do right, be right, be holy encourage each other and we don't quit <laughs> one of the funniest things in college is when someone knows their parents are coming to school for a visit you see them washing their clothes folding them hanging them up cleaning the room you know straightening making you know trying to give that impression that that's the way their room looks all the time right and then, of course, the parents take the room at, a roommate out to lunch and find out what really happens. But when it comes to the rapture, we, we don't have pre-notification. We don't know what's, what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. We need to have our house clean at all times and be prepared. Let's bow our heads. We need to be prepared and ready today and tomorrow. And if you don't know him, whether you're here this morning, you're watching or listening online, if you don't know him as your personal Savior, if you've never accepted this free gift of eternal life, today's the day. We don't know what's going to happen in this world. We don't know that we're going to make it tomorrow. We need to be ready. He did the hard part. He sent his son to come and die on the cross just for you. He said, if you were the only one, he would come looking for you. All we have to do is ask him to forgive us of our sins. Ask him to come into our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you sent your Son. And because of that, we're able to come to you and get eternal life, to get forgiveness. And Lord, we come to you asking you to take away all of our sins, all of our past. And Lord, wash us clean and fill us up right now, Lord, with your Holy Spirit 
your love, your joy, your peace, your comfort. Lord, we make you rulers of our life. We don't want to just come in part way, Lord. We want all. Take all of us. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, help us to prepare our home, our, our life. Lord, we don't want to miss it. Lord, stir up the hunger within us. Stir up the fire within us to be always watching and always waiting for you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. The altars are open. If you want to come and pray, need to check ourselves. Are we ready? That was the question. Are you ready if Christ was to come right now? Are you sold out? You may have said, well, I gave my heart to Christ, but we're tipping our toe in the world. You're not sold out to God. We need to give him all of us, not just, well, I'll give him this part, but not this part. Are we all the way in? If you want to spend time, the altars are open. If you need prayer, as we worship the Lord, you can come forward.